this is Radar Horizon Radar Horizont at Reboot FM of Reboot FM anlässlich der Transmediale und des Club Transmediale On the occasion of the Festival of Transmediale and Club Transmediale, Rada Horizon at Reboot FM.
this is Radha Horizon a prologue in several parts of Radio Radar at Reboot FM in the light of the two festivals of Transmediale and Club Transmediale this February 2016 in fact Saturday evening the 6th of this month today we will cruise through diverse parts of the festivals but as well to dive into some visions and thoughts about important how to say that important fields of society we don't talk about only we don't talk about only about anxiety which is this time part of the Transmediale 2016 perhaps we do find also other versions of taking back things thinking through stopping whatever you might relate to the word of or the description of anxiety the German angst Rada Horizon
Radar Horizon. We do have quite a situation what Ralf Fuhrmann today at his radio picnic was describing in the one or the other version. We are in the studio of Reboot FM. In fact, we do transmit, we do broadcast at Reboot FM. And uh, Reboot FM has its studio, its radio studio in HKW, Haus der Kulturen der Welt. Exactly there, I'm glad to sit now with my first guest of this Radar Horizon, in fact, with Aishe Bukhara. Guten Abend, good evening. Good evening, guten Abend. We have just to check a bit the technical... Hello. Circumstances, right, exactly. Try to speak quite. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm happy to be here. I just wanted to introduce you. Aisha Bukhara is an author, filmmaker, but uh, quite a while she is already dealing with the versions of, better said, Utopia and Utopia in English. It's uh, this kind of uh, what you always think you could do in German, Utopias. Um, with this Utopia about education. In fact, it's also um, quite a discussion about that part, how you really do say Bildung in English, because education is something else. But, uh, or not exactly what Bildung means in German. So, But perhaps we have the possibility to talk about that as well. But first of all, how you came to the part to deal with Bildung, with education, with... Well, uh, I can't even remember. But I think the first, the first occasion I dealt with Bildung Bildung was uh, reading Mary Poppins when I was about eight years old. This gave me the idea of raising children must be something very experimental and very fantastic. Uh, fan having to deal with fantasy is the same. And I was very happy to have found something someone wrote about how to deal with children in a way I could accept. And I was very, very young. And this never left me. I was in school, uh, someone who was thinking about how school works. And after that, I just went on. 
and now I work with children and I can um, just experience what it means to work with a child to get something into the mind of the child with which the child can be free to deal. And is there anything what you came across what has to do with Mary Poppins still or? Yeah, I tried to become one, <laughs> as become some kind of a Mary Poppins. And what always made me think about is that she never stays uh, long when she is with a child or with two children. She leaves. She leaves after six months and nobody knows when she will come back. And dealing with children in situations uh, where I have no contract with them or their parents, I have a similar position. I, the children do not have a scheme why I am in their lives and when I shall leave their lives. And it's interesting to uh, to see that uh, you can be part of the child's life even if you are not part of an institution when you are uh, helping him to get education. And there I try to surprise the child. This is what Mary Poppins does all the time. Surprising children with the richness of the world. That's it. So there is uh, nothing about angst, anxiety, there's nothing about hesitation? Ah, not in Mary Poppins. <laughs> She is uh, most of the time content, <laughs> contentful as she likes herself and she's very sure of herself, so she wouldn't be angstlich. So it, somehow it uh, would be already one, uh, how to say that, recipe for dealing with all this kind of uh, arising anxieties or even... Mm -hmm. existing ones. Of course, the child is afraid. Afraid of school, afraid of what it has to learn or she or he has to learn and afraid of the future. So you can't be afraid. You must be the one who isn't afraid. But just for some moments back to this, you were yourself afraid of in your When First I school, uh, school days, something like that? Not of school. I was happy to go to school. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Now, Right now, when, when I'm, I'm trying to think about that, um, if I was scared, like as, as, as you described, that, that the children are somehow afraid or going to school or whatever through what this is happening like i really can't remember it for myself in a way perhaps sometimes if you whatever didn't like a teacher or but like even so no these children are afraid of not um being able to reach the goal or what is expected of them that they cannot 
deal with the social situation. This is what they are afraid of. What will the parents think? What will happen if I cannot finish or get my grade or something like that? So they inhale already this kind of uh, system. Yeah, and they are afraid of the things they have to learn because they do not have uh, the connection to to them. They When they learn maths, for example, I had a boy yesterday trying to learn mathematics and he was afraid of it. He was afraid to think about it. He tried to escape from the situation of facing the problem. And this is an intelligent boy, a really gifted boy. But he had the experience that he, all of a sudden he sits in a test situation and fails. And this is, to him, this is a riddle why he is in that situation. So he tries to avoid uh, facing that the next test will come and he will maybe fail again. And most of the times the children sit in classes where they don't fit the uh, level. So, for example, they sit in, in a French class in the fourth year and they can't speak French. Or in an English class in the fifth, sixth, seventh year and they don't understand what they read. And the teacher shouldn't know. These situations make them afraid. It's like being a thief or something. They're stealing position without having paid for it. And then they're afraid. It's normal. So and when this kind of being afraid did start, like you were describing now the, the boy with a math test, did he experience that already before you think of yeah so like he he knows but like th this is the interesting part like when is this kind of uh, step when when you when you do that the first time did you experience that with with your uh, students that you th that they were about to get such an experience yeah when they change level from mm -hmm. uh, first school to second or from second to third level, uh, they make a lapse and then their angst comes forward. But um, I think that they are put into these situations through the system, in this by the system. The system doesn't um, want to know if they have learned. And then they sit somewhere they haven't learned and the system says oh you know but they don't know but the system says i know you know and they can't say oh but i don't know <laughs> like very very concrete like the system says you are now a french-speaking person so i want that you read this text and write something about it and they can't say oh sorry i don't speak french at all I don't understand the text because this would be a catastrophe. So they try somehow to fill in the uh, expectation, to live up to the expectation. This is what they do. But they don't know that they are doing that. 
That's another bizarre thing. As we have this kind of uh, radio picnic situation in here in the reboot studio, I now try to figure out a right question that you can talk on and I can open the studio door. Perhaps we will get this kind of experience. Um, like the system in the very moment when you describe that, so I was thinking about what is the system, like what kind of personage, what kind of character the system is. Is it a paper? Is it a person? Is it a building? No, it is a kind of um, a problem-solving problem situation guided by the government and uh, like carried by the teachers and the schools. It is a reformed heritage and Maybe nobody remembers where the heritage comes from, even if they should know. So they are trying to uh, live up to the system too. There is, There are classes, there are uh, expectations of the government, what uh, a child should have learned until sixth grade or seventh grade or 10th grade. And the children somehow try to be, try to stay in the system, try to stay where they are, and some of them learn and some of them don't. And those who don't sometimes stay till the end. And those are the ones which I deal with, who I deal with. <laughs> the system, like now the studio system at least uh, is quite, uh, practical the door is open for whomever want to come in um, the system is one thing it's also institution but in, in fact it's it's of course quite in interesting especially like in this educational system like where where you where all this started once it was not only because people should learn to read and write it was a lot of other things happening around but in fact also like this kind of overlapping of tradition of um, new things like in in that connection i have just in mind uh, what i came across several years ago where i was quite fascinated by that um, this discussion that in university for example which is also part of this educational system, of course, um, that they don't want to have the newest development of science in their curriculum. And then there come a lot of, uh, really a bunch of, of reasons for. But like exactly this. So like you, um, on the one hand, you discover something like whomever, the society, let's say like that. Some people part of the society discovers something and then it is out of whatever kind of reason not really allowed or it is not well supported to get this kind of new discoveries into this curriculum into this kind of um, educational system when you have to deal with that 
and you do it already, not since yesterday. Um, when did you start yourself to to think about what could be done differently? It was really from the very first beginning that you had this Mary Poppins in mind or how I that came up? I'm sorry. I remember reading a history of schools when I was in film school. This was about 83, 84, 85. Then I was dealing with the idea of how schools how schools became to be schools. I was interested in how all started and why the form is the form. And then I wasn't even dealing with children. I was just curious. And uh, maybe because of the film school, I don't know. Maybe I was I was thinking about how to uh, how to have a better film school. The thing I I really am interested in now more than then is that every school seems to have some people who are successful and a lot of people who are not. And this is very very bizarre. You should have students and they should learn. Point. They should learn or become or whatever. But not I take in ten and two of them become what they were aiming at coming into that school and eight of them fail. This is very interesting why it is that way. It's the same of course in the classroom. Four of them are very good Ten of them are good. Ten of them are, mm, yeah, okay. And some of them are fail failing. They are. And there should be not one of them failing. That's the thing. And it's not the same thing like no child left behind or something. This is even more essential. Um, it is dealing with how we deal with each other. We are not a selective society. We shouldn't be a select. <laughs> we shouldn't be a selective society in the sense of now um, I am looking at all these children and some of them may be the ones I choose and the others, well, uh, they do not have such a luck like being in kind of a monarchy or something and even a monarchy could be much better than that yeah and there's no reason to have children in competition if they do not want it the moment they want it and they have fun I think competition is for fun and learning is not fun Learning is something very, very serious. And being serious is something very, very important for children. Because this is the moment where they can feel they are uh, the same like adults. Um, you mean like uh, being serious or taken serious? No, I mean really feeling that one is doing something serious. And one is growing up I remember this because I was in a very prominent school a very um, difficult school and all of us were knowing 
I am becoming something. I'm, I'm getting to be something. And this was a serious matter in the Turkish society then. And so I know this feeling of growing while learning. And the children I meet here, um, they do not have the tiniest idea about what it is to learn and grow while learning, to become something while learning. They do not know it. They learn um, to get something. Like, I work and I get money. This is why I work. Uh, you work as I don't know what. Uh, you clean other people's rooms and then you get money. So this is why you clean other people's rooms. Or you would go clean your rooms, normally. But you are in lack of money, so you clean also other people's rooms, who, which they should clean themselves. And the same thing with these children, like they learn other people's uh, subjects to get something, what other people have already. And that's not good. <laughs> So, like, uh, it is, uh, as you would say in English, uh, this difference in between jobs and occupation. Not really. It's the difference between jobs and having a, a sense in life, a goal in life. Because working is something people have to do and should do as part of their life. It shouldn't have to do anything with money. <laughs> I'm sorry for that, but yeah, yeah. But like, this is just from this kind of uh, German mother tongue uh, being surprised sometimes about the English language, um, where in fact the work, uh, the, the the word for what what we have in, in German Arbeit, like labor in English. Mm -hmm. uh, is coming from beside that. So like this is by two physicians uh, who developed that in, in England in, I forgot the exact date, it was 1845 or mm -hmm. something like that. So uh, before nobody was talking in this kind of sense with this kind of description about it. Anyway, what I meant now with uh, occupation and job is I mean, this is idealization, of course, but like occupation is something what uh, really matters to you, uh, like in this kind of understanding. Uh, yeah. This is like, like uh, nowadays, you, in, if you say in German, Beschäftigung, sich mit etwas beschäftigen, uh, to be occupied with something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this, in this sense, I meant much more. Yeah, like I was trying to talk about Berufung. Right, yeah, of course. This is uh, inherent also, of course, in, in that no, no, occupation is not the same. Berufung means that you have to do something because if you don't do it, you can't become yourself. It calls you. It means being called. Something calls you to become something, which is the most authentic way of work. You work because uh, work is necessary to become yourself. This could be by Friedrich Engels. Uh, well, uh, 
I could be a communist, but I wouldn't tell. You ever um, read this very nice uh, children book? Uh, I mean, it was uh, published in TDR as a children book. How the development of the human hand uh, was going on from the monkeys, uh, <laughs> from our close neighbors, so to say, to yeah, that the hand is already the tool. So we are given. Mm. No. Um, yeah, I uh, no, I remember that you uh, come across, but this I is another. Uh, this I is came another story. It. I know. Yeah, I know. But I, I don't remember now precisely the pictures. Yeah, yeah it was even it was even shown on um, in one play what you did see as well. It was yeah. called Novinka Hudoba, and mm -hmm. there was one scene where uh, some parts of this very nice uh, book was also presented. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember the idea of the continuity from the monkey hand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To the yeah. human hand, but uh, it's not the only human tool. Of I course mean, not. No, no, no. It, it was like his eyes are also a tool, like the camera. But um, I think that the society respecting Berufung would be a, such a different society than ours. So um, everybody would say it's too ut utopian and would try to hush me. I'm very surprised talking about Utopia, people try to hush you these days. I remember in my childhood that, that was different. People liked to talk about Utopia. Yeah, this this might be also the, the uh, one of the reasons why in Transmediale 2016 uh, people do talk about anxiety because on the other hand, in fact, they do talk about Utopia, also sometimes dystopia. But um, back to back to this education, this talk about building um, within this daily experiences, what you have, or mm -hmm. how how I could describe that, you build it up um, something like an idea or several ideas, of course. Um, how to deal with building how to how to change that is there a way do you see a way how how you could do it how you want to do uh, who, to let do the society this big topic of learning education i don't feel very strong in society because i'm an outsider somehow but i have told myself If I have a life still, um, I don't want to take all the ideas with me one day to my grave. I will try to put them into form. So they are there for those who want to deal with it. We'll deal with them. And I had one radio um, talk a few weeks ago and a teacher wrote me. So it just started. And now I'm writing, writing a small book where these ideas are um, dealt with in a very mocky way, in a very light way. And um, I, as far as I can, uh, being all the time in lack of time or money or things like that, it's a little bit difficult now, but I hope it will better up and I will be writing these things and doing so 
that if I can't change society, maybe I can uh, leave the blueprint so others can work with that. That's important to me. I could make film showing how we could change. The main thing is that changing the educational system seems to be very, very, very träge, uh, as the German says. Very, very um, heavy to push a stone <laughs> or a mountain or I don't know uh, what it is, but there, there are so many reformations and reformations and reformations. Nothing changed. Nothing changes. People don't change anything. They paint blue what was red. But it's there. It doesn't change anything that is blue now. It must be changed entirely. You could stop having schools. It could be in another way. The thing is that there is a person, someone who is, say, four years old or ten years old. And what we want is that he can, he or she can inherit what people know, what people have learned in all these years until now. That she can be an inheritant of the human knowledge, of the human arts, of human literature of human culture and this is what it is and then this person can decide him or herself what he or she or she or he will do with all this inheritance and this is all everything else is indoctrination happening all the time and uh, maybe someone would say indoctrination is very, very necessary. I have the feeling that, that authorities now, the invisible authorities of our unauthoritarian times, are telling this all the time. Indoctrination is necessary or our goals won't be reached. This is what I feel when I see what the children are dealing with all the time. And I don't like it. Um, indoctrination, um, what uh, you would name as an inter in indoctrination, like uh, people probably don't name it like that at first. Not at all. But what you see as an inter indo indoctrination? You may find um, places where it is called finding yourself or creativity, uh, developing your creative skills. Indoctr indoctrination means to me that people force you to think as they want you to think. Be creative is an imperative. Be yourself is an imperative. <laughs> It's not something nice. There was this joke. Uh, I don't know if it was a joke. I think it was a true story. 
a child from kindergarten said once to the teacher, must we play as we like again? <laughs> yeah. I think that children are very irritated because if adults say them, I want you to be as I wish, they can understand what's going on. But if they <laughs> make an imperative from, I want you to be as you wish, <laughs> that can't be understood. Because if someone wants me to be as I wish, there is no imperative. And children can't deal with this complicated psychological situation in which their adults are these days. Because these adults um, have too many masks. If they can take away one mask, they just see the next mask. They very seldom see people as they are. You could see a tyrant, you could see a dictator, you could see a general or Napoleon or I don't know what, or someone who is a, a nun or someone who is really a weak person singing songs in on the market. Or I don't know, you could see through the people. And now people can mask themselves in a multitude of ways in our society. And children try to see who is that, what? They can't read their, their teachers. They can't read their school po program. They can't read. They can read their parents sometimes, but not always. So everything is psychologically very, very complicated. Being a good child has become a very complicated thing. And children tend to be good children because this is what they think can um, secure their lives. They are on the short end of the whip. <laughs> yeah, and they, they try to be good children for their parents. And they can even face don't be good <laughs> these days. I don't know how it was them days, but because I was, wasn't there ever. But I see now that the uh, agenda children face, how to be a good child or how to be a good adult one day or a successful adult, because nobody is talking about good. Everybody is talking about successful, which is also a threat. You can be good yourself. You can't be successful yourself. Someone must give you the success somehow. It's an interaction being successful. And we should take them out of this and have the courage to leave the world them when they become adults. We are planning at least the next 50 years. It's too long. You do um, mean uh, planning the next 50 years uh, with this kind of educational system, for example? Also, the educational system is part of it. Planning the next 50 years. The educational system in Germany is 
too much involved into what should be important for the children. They should find out what is important to them and not being told all the time what is the most important thing in the world. We are kind of afraid of losing power. I have the, I have the idea, or I have, I think it is that. We have built something since the 80s. <coughs> we built a world, an astonishingly functioning industry, I don't know what. And now we're afraid someone will destroy <laughs> what we built. Destroy with ignorance or not liking it or something like that. So they must like it. But is that not any um, generation play, so to say? Yeah, like but yeah, yeah. Why not? But we should be, shouldn't we be uh, better than the generations before? We are the progressive part of the past. Sure. Yeah. But how how to how to how to do that um, to let the children decide for themselves to find out for themselves what is the there is only one um, condition to make that true that you believe as an adult that this is their right and it's there the rest is just organization. You must believe as an adult, as you believe, as people used to believe in God, or sometimes they do now too, or they believe in money, or what, whatever they believe in, they must believe in the value of their children's freedom. In the moment it becomes a taboo to, uh, to uh, write down your children's uh, future the way you wish it, and it becomes a big value that your child is really free to choose or free to find out who he is, what the world is, if it should be destroyed or saved. Uh, then there is no problem anymore. It's in us, it's not somewhere. The system is in us. The system is a, a mirror, mirror in another um, in another um, media, medium of us, it's we. We do it. We say, I am very, very angry what this child is doing. I'm very angry that he or she doesn't value what I built. And the main thing is don't build for them, build for yourself. Don't build an empire of thousand years, build your life. And we are still building these empires of thousand years. It, th there's not only one empire of thousand years in, in our history. Now the thousand year empire of industry is starting. We are like this kind of uh, economic circles when they have these uh, investments for shopping malls, they do count on 17 years. So it's quite a short time in that term. 
what does this mean exactly that they count on 17? Yeah, the, the meaning of the 17 years is that all their contracts are running for 15 till 17 years and from the from the very first beginning where they do plan a new shopping mall for example um, till the ma maximum of um, success to name it in that way uh, for them, of course, like the the how how to say that better um, is quite exactly all the time the same thing. Like in between fifteen, seventeen years, it was about it used to be eleven, and now it's around this kind of time. For example, uh, these guys or these companies who bought now Potsdamer Platz. They uh, do this kind of buy on the on the plan of what is happening in the next 17 years. If within this kind of time period they get what they want to get out, everything is fine. But in fact, it did start with this kind of uh, shopping malls. I just come across um, once. Um, when they did plan some new shopping mall close to Leipzig and they put down the old shopping mall, so to say. So th this is really something from the very new building on the ground, uh, from the planning till the very end, till the shops or shops are running, people do go there with all this kind of consumption, etc., etc. So th this is... Quite a uh, short time, I do find in a way, in co comparison to to your uh, thousand years uh, yeah. theory or anti-theory, so <laughs> to say. But the this kind of planning, um, do you think it is uh, really something like what is um, learned? that you really should think about your next 10, 20, even more years? Or is it just a, a, um, a, like a poster and it's just sad? Yeah, but I'm sorry, but I do think now about the plans for the next uh, 200 years. Don't disturb me now. I do now for the next 200 years. Isn't it just an argument to fix something or to hold a certain kind of tradition because it's more easy, more simple, like this kind of uh, planning for the next year. Like, because there's a there's a, a gap in between, no? Like, uh, is it the theory? Like, is it the planning? Or is it like that things which are done right now have the how to say that in the right way, uh, have, so to say, the echo, for example, whatever, nuclear energy, for, uh, something like that. So in the very first moment when you put um, this nuclear reactor into, uh, into function, then it's quite clear, it depends on what kind of uh, material you do use, you will uh, start a process which is running for several hundred years, 
it depends really if it is mm, such a uh, no uh, i'm not like like this kind of thing so like if you do use now plastic which is no, not, no, not uh, at all i'm not going away but who who plans then for a thousand years what what what do you mean with this kind of uh, image ah, i don't like shopping malls um i mean our wish to live forever never was it so much in the press like people saying it can be achieved i read today a magazine about a cambridge professor who's working on making people live a thousand years that was like like uh, bluebird uh bluebird <laughs> The murderer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like he he was also about that he would uh, go very old. No, wasn't it like this? With he will become thousand years old. How many women yeah, did he plan to kill? Something like that. <laughs> um, okay, I mean a psychological condition, not a economical. Uh, but I know that some things are really planned for fifty years, like a bridge or a tunnel or. a it it brings its money back in 50 years but these are really details the problem is not um i don't know what economy is for people it seems that they find in it kind of a security or a halt or they want electricity or things like that for on the one hand for not losing too much time for nothing but on the other hand also for security for not fearing the dark you invent light for not fearing the cold you invent the warmth and for not fearing other things it's like running away from uh, some kind of experience which is not very very nice but this was not what i'm talking about I mean that like take the idea of democracy. When I say sometimes I say democracy is not the best way of dealing with society and I hope one day there will be something new. Everybody gets like <gasps> who are you? Get away. <laughs> This I mean with we think in thousand years. And I had this with the Berlin Wall too. It's not long not long before it fell. People were telling me it will stay a thousand years. This is my very experience. I said, that's such a nonsense. Of course it won't stay a thousand years. Oh, oh, you are so naive and you are this and you are that and heh. But isn't it much more about uh, the the wish that it will stay how it was? Years. <laughs> no, like like uh, of course nobody knows what the future is. No, like to to name it yeah. in a very everyday life yeah. uh, version. So you uh, might remember, beside you would have Alzheimer, uh, a bit what was in the past. And out of this, I, of course, there could grow this kind of feeling to say, yeah, this like, uh, let's have it like in the good days. Yeah, but you should also have bad days or the good days are not good. 
I was talking about the remembrance. So, uh, ah, so like you mean like uh, something like I have a remembrance of good days and I want them back. Yeah, or like out of that to keep the tradition with the good experiences, of course, um, like who want to have the bad experiences uh, for the next thousand years. So like to uh, that there's ongoing something. What was good? Yeah, you should live with the unknown. Because it is the unknown. Obviously for, for everybody, but like it is like to get up uh, in the morning for some people. They need this kind of uh, all the time getting up at 6.32. Yeah. Uh, because it gives them a certain kind of frame. Yeah. But uh, back to to our not starting point, but our our topic about education, how this could be learned, educated, teached um, in a way that you have um, curiosity towards this kind of unknown. What is yeah, coming up? Yeah, you should have a school subject unknown. And, and how and educate them in the unknown. Mm -hmm. This is really what I think. In the school utopia I have, there are such subjects. What else? Uh, what kind of other up uh, subjects there? Uh, infinity and finity. So one subject is infinity, the other one is infinity. And uh, something like obeying and not obeying it depends on the age of the child so it gets educated in obeying and which doesn't mean it learns obeying it gets really educated in what obeying is like this um thing uh peter greenway did in the jewish museum he had a exhibition about obeying mm -hmm. and uh on the pictures you saw Caravaggio's uh, depicting of Abraham and Isaac. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is the level. And uh, if you ha have an education in obeying, which means when people obey, how they obey, why they obey, if it's good to obey, then you have also the opposite, like not obeying. When did they not obey and why? And then you don't say anything about if the child should obey or not. You just teach him what happened. And what you think and what he thinks comes out of that. Because we have history. And we have experience of those who lived before us. And we have things we can deal with. In a way, children understand why we deal with it. If you tell them, you must learn history. In the year of ba ba ba ba ba, someone did b b b b b. They say, "Hey, why?" But if you tell them, you have experienced a lot of times you have to obey. Now I want to tell you why. Maybe they are more curious. Who knows? It is very very difficult to make children curious uh, about what is taught in schools the way it is told. I think they should be curious about Napoleon at least. No, they aren't. 
because Napoleon was kind of a, a person who uh, was like a young person. And uh, the main thing first is what I said. It is not a economical or governmental thing. It's a moral psychological thing to accept that you don't own the future of your children. It, it sounds now very, very, very bad, but I can't say it in another way just now. I can say it in other ways other times. It is not good to teach over the moment uh, where they can start dealing with their lives alone. This is the point where you just stop teaching. And then they are free to choose. So the education is, until then, you put them somewhere where you want to have them. And the problem how the system will work on is not a problem if they teach them the system. So they will, so they can take their places. They can think about how to take their places. But they shouldn't think that the system is forever. They think judges are forever, courts are forever, um, jails are forever, buses are forever. Uh, films are forever, TV is forever. They think all the time everything is forever. Because you teach them that way. They should be, uh, they should have a idea about we made this all. We could have made something else. We could have, we could have uh, gone on, um, riding horses and make that in an optimal way. Then we had friends instead of cars because a horse is a friend. Or we, we could have electricity three hours a day. Or we, we cannot make, make, we c can eat um, less fruits or I don't know what we can, we can, one year we can write a book and this was our educational year and another year we can help uh, adults uh, making a bridge <laughs> because they need everybody or life was that way. It, it wasn't always like it is today that children go for 10 years, all of them, um, all of them for 10 years to school. And um, I think that an angry voice about too little change in the educational system is not that bad, even if, uh, I don't know, people wouldn't listen anymore if I talk about everything is planned thousand years and so on. And I, I, I find out people don't listen very, very quickly. And this is not good. This they learn in school. <laughs> Schools should teach to listen to bizarre ideas. <laughs> and you listen to Rada 
Horizon at Reboot FM. We had a talk with Aisha Bukhara about visions and possible developments and uh, yeah, visions. Is that the right word for what you have about education? How you would name that? Or is it more a wish? Is it vision? Is it a must? Is it a plan? It's not a plan. Is it an airplane? <laughs> I, I'm afraid in airplanes. <laughs> It's a vision, I think. Kind of a, yeah, prophetic vision, I hope. <laughs> thank you very much. I thank you. <laughs> This is Rada. Horizon, Horizon of Reboot FM at Reboot FM. It's a part of a prologue of Radio Radar, an ongoing radio project throughout the year on diverse channels, on diverse locations within Germany and Europe. We have the idea to go through visions, through science fiction, through all kind of material, through traditions, of course, history, fairy tales, whatever archive we might find. Of course, there's a big deal these days dealing with archives. It's also Uh, quite a part of the Transmediale this year and I guess it won't stop for the next year what we do with all this kind of archives with all this kind of big data as it is, as it is called right now to understand, to explain to teach to teach yourself what it is, what people, human beings, what the society, what the humanity was discovering and will be discovered. Radio Horizon.
you listen to Radar Horizon, soundscapes and talks about old geographies and new ones, visions and no future perhaps. Excerpts of contemporary conversations in light of the current festivals of Transmediale and Club Transmediale 2016, these days in early February 2016. Radar Horizon at Reboot FM. Du mich, Godo? Ja. Jetzt mhm. sollte das funktionieren. Das mhm. ist doch schön. Immer wieder eine schöne Sache, telefonieren im Radiostudio. Ja, das ist cool. Mhm. Doch, es klappt. Es ist ganz wunderbar. Okay, ich, und, äh, und rollt, dich auch der, gut. rollt der Bandteller? <lacht> genau, der Bandteller, der rollt. Jetzt muss ich nur hier noch einige kleine Veränderungen vornehmen. Ich äh, spreche jetzt mit dir, mit Godo Völmer, ein Radioexperte sozusagen. Wir haben heute, ich habe da schon vorher kurz darüber gesprochen, bei Radar Horizon. Wir sollten dann jetzt auch dann gleich mal nochmal ins Englisch wechseln. Das habe ich jetzt bei meiner vorigen, vorhergehenden Gesprächspartnerin bei der Aisha Bukhara letztendlich auch so gehalten, aber weil wir gerade jetzt so angefangen haben, wäre das ja auch so unnatürlich von einem Wort ins andere into the English, to switch into the English, but we can do it right now. No? Like that, that's, yes, we can. And it's a bit more easy. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Today there was a radio picnic at the Transmediale 2016 uh -huh. by Ralf Hohmann uh -huh. and he did, um, I liked it very much, I, I didn't have the possibility really to, to uh, stay there longer for longer time period as he was doing it for, I guess even for two hours and he brought together the, the 
part of the picnic. He did the differentiation in between French picnic and English picnic and was connecting that with pirate radio um, movement in diverse countries and in, in diverse parts of Europe. Not only because he brought up also how the the story went with uh, radio in the good old uh, history of radio, where the radio was born as they played uh, dance music from one of the battleships, which in fact it was an American one, uh, if I understood it right. And uh, since that time, uh, they found out that radio is also to use, like the, the technique, the technology of radio is also to use for something else. I do talk about that just right now, because uh, you, as such an expert in radio, in fact, uh, you would have to say yourself what you do with radio. Um, because it's a lot, you know? like you have a background in, in music and sound, but uh, as well you deal quite a time with radio and how to do radio and in what way to de develop radio. So I thought it might be very interesting to have an insight of what you would think about the nowadays radio and how it could develop. At the Transmediale these days, and also Club Transmediale, there's more about the new geographies, how, how, the, the, how the world is built in, how, how the map, in, in fact, how the maps are going more and more diverse and uh, have to be newly sketched, so to say. In Transmediale is more about the, the anxiety of in, in, within society and politics and policies. Uh, is that something what um, come up to your mind also when you think about radio and broadcasting nowadays and how it might be in the next time period? Yes, of course. Um, of course, geographies also in radio are changing. Um, in fact, um, there's two movements right now that are very important. There are more aspects, but if you ask about geography or geographies, um, there's two aspects that, that are important, I think. One is that um, big players come on the market and these are transnational players so they um, develop new radio formats like um, the Apple radio channel that is not linked to any location at least not fixed um, or like Spotify that pays its fees to a kind of radio in a kind of radio model because it's a broadcast situation. You don't buy the music, but every broadcast of one or every playing of one song to you as an individual is seen as a special, actually, kind of um, of broadcast. 
and Pandora and others do the same. So we have several models of transnational music channels in the Apple Radio uh, version. It's it's a rather fixed stream of uh, music. And there are still DJs in the other types in Pandora and in Spotify. It's not. And um, the, the the radio stations that used to rely on their music color, today they can still do that, but this is uh, loosening up because uh, you can't cope with these big players. They are too strong. They have... Um, um, the market power is too big and so we are right now doing a survey on developments in, in radio and we do this with different kinds of experts in, in a number of countries, European countries. So I've been talking to uh, German radio practitioners, um, CEOs or program directors or, or regulation officers from from German uh, government, and um, one main picture is in there that yes, you can't cope with these big players, so you have to reconfigure, and that means you're going much more regional. So the only strength that uh, players like um, Apple Radio or Spotify can't cope with is regionality or better even locality. So this is a is a strength that these uh, stations play out on, on and they <clears throat> well to, it looks like they would a bit give give up on the strength of music color special music choice in their channels. Uh, at least it's not going to be as strong as it used to be. So that's you see both directions, movements in both directions in that, and um, this will change radio geography to a large extent. While I've been only talking about uh, commercial stations at this point of time, of course, the community radio stations um, have other problems or, or have other options as well. So they link together in online archives where they put down um, pieces, journalistic pieces or radio art shows, etc. So that's been happening for quite some time now already. And I think it's um, getting stronger. And so local community radio will gain from that because there's a lot of quality out there in these archives that are free to use for these community radios. Um, and of course, these are often things, productions from other countries or from other regions. So there's a lot also here changing in geographies. So geographies, um, um, topological geographies of of our planet are loosening up and it's more geographies of interest. So uh, those things are linked to together in, a, in an area which belong to one interest and they can stem from countries that are opposite of the world um, and still they are close by to you as a listener if you are part of this 
geography of interest. Um, in the moment when you're talking about this uh, global players, not the regional one, but the global players, uh -huh. um, I was uh, trying to to remember my my short experience with this kind of global players. In fact, they uh -huh. are not as long in the market, aren't they? So like uh, just some month, I mean, Spotify is existing already some time, but uh, uh -huh. Apple Music is quite uh, fresh, like for sure not in the development, but like uh, in the, um, yeah, on really like uh, openly in the market to use for everybody who has this kind of devices, what you need as well for them. And um, I, tr yeah, I, I try to to figure out what is the the real the the the special reality. Like, what what is the special thing with that? No, like like um, isn't it much more something like uh, trying to find a model how to get the this uber idea of an airbnb uh -huh. idea of sharing within certain kind of software as well like uh, to promoting as one like this classical idea of radio we have a 24 7 radio station running in london and uh, wherever san francisco of course new york wherever and uh, is especially for you as a listener done but in fact it is mainly based and also the algorithms are running on what you provide as a listener as far uh, as you give them the information what you like of course like like dislike etc but as well uh, as it is still combined with this old uh, music um, um, apps what what they had in, in in in Apple like iTunes music and whatever so um, iTunes match that they somehow overrun themselves which is quite interesting so like you can still upload something what they do present you then in a in a so to say new way it's differently graphical like in, in graphic but in fact you get your own archive back in a way so and uh, like i was thinking about that one uh, which of course is um, just a simple um, experience but in fact what really they do do change you think beside that they uh, enroll uh, certain kind of market what uh, others will will step back from uh. in the very end as you described it already I, I have to say, um, my guess is that they don't know themselves what's going to happen. They want to reserve the position in the market right now. And my guess is from my own experience of, of using it um, is um, it's not very convincing the way it is right now. So they have to wait until radio usage or audio usage in general because i think it's mixing up yeah we often now i have sequences in the day when i listen to 
bit of podcast, then a bit of live stream, and uh, then maybe uh, some some app that gives me a mix of both. There's some live elements and there's some um, start productions in there. Um, and this is changing very quickly. This uh, way radio is distributed or is put together um, from a linear fixed model of broadcasting, which means everybody who's on that line listens to the same stuff. Um, it's uh, changing to a personalized casting but probably only in parts. That's at least what the experts say, that, that, uh, or most of them say. Um, they tend to say, well, there's gonna, in most programs, the live element will stay in there. So we have news on the full hour, uh, on, on top of the hour, that's how the Englishmen say it. Um, And other elements that you expect at certain point, points in in in the in the in the, in the, in the hour scale or how you want to call it or hour hour pattern or something. Um, but in between, there's going to be much personalized content. That so me as a non-sport interested person won't get sport um, sports news, and others will get a lot of sports news for instance, but the driver in this, um, uh, as these experts judge, and, uh, and I think it's convincing what they say, the driver in this development is targeted advertisement. So an advertisement, a piece of advertisement, radio advertisement, audio advertisement, that's really targeted on my interest pattern as I've uh, put it down on Google, etc., is so much more valuable, and that means gives those who cast it, broadcast or narrowcast it, so much more money, and is hoped to give the this company that's advertising advertising in it or with it so much more benefit because it's so much more targeted. And fits much better my interest. Um, that this is the, an extremely strong draw that puts the market in a certain direction, and that means, um, for instance, one important element in that, and this is worth billions of euros, because there's lots of investment in this now. That it looks like DAB, digital audio broadcasting, the digital follower after FM, UKW, will probably not succeed in Europe and maybe even worldwide because those who put the advertisement on the, on the radio have a lot less benefit from advertising on DAB, which cannot be targeted than doing it online. So probably we'll keep with FM. Online radio distribution will get stronger. There's going to be a lot of targeted advertisement and targeted content of other kinds. And um, then in some future, which we cannot foresee right now, at, at some point probably FM, UKW will finally 
be switched off, but not in the next next five years or something like that, because it's still too strong and too valuable for the broadcasters right now. Um, yeah, so that's that's a very strong development, I think. Of course, yeah, especially as this uh, the last year is always the the idea was that uh, FM or as you would say in German UKW will uh, will not go lost but empty free free space a lot of free space uh -huh. for new radio projects um, it looks like uh, that it won't be like that in, in in fact right at least for for the next years yeah as, uh, so the the experts that i spoke to they so we asked for the for a um, how to say perspective on the year 2025 so 10 years from right. now um, and uh, there was one which was not very convincing mm -hmm. <laughs> that was a state representative who said that UCA, that FM would most likely be switched off or on the verge of switched off by 2025 and all others said bullshit It's going to be there. It's still going to be like 50% of the distribution. And that's going to be very valuable. And it's going to be very valuable also for for another reason. And that is that um, FM receivers are so cheap and have been there for such a long time that, uh, let's say, if you, you go to a, I don't know, um, a farmer's house in <laughs> in Bavaria and you look in there and there's a radio in the living room and in the kitchen and there's one uh, in the cow's room <laughs> and there's one in the workshop where you do woodwork and there's another one uh, in the bathroom so many households have five to, to eight or nine FM receivers distributed and they're not used all at the same rate but still um, people have their way through their house and through their living environment during a day or during a week. So weekends, it's, there's different usage than during the work days. So, and um, if you switch off FM, many of these places won't be supplied anymore. The woodwork workshop won't be supplied with radio anymore unless you use your smartphone which you might do but it might not fit your work style or your listening style so um i heard several experts who said um switching off fm and replacing it by a dab receiver or whatever won't work for us as broadcasters because we would cut off maybe 30 40 percent of listening time Because people won't buy eight DAB receivers for their house. They won't do that because they are online anyway and not in DAB. So so there's um, chances are very low that DAB will have any success. And that means chances are low that FM will be switched off. Um, but how, how that is going with AM, like... Uh with uh, the German Mittelwelle, as uh -huh. it is uh, much more power intense, like it uh, needs a lot of power to, uh -huh. like, in, in fact, all these kind of things uh, 
were happening in the last years that even such a not unwealthy state like Austria was uh, boosting their uh, antennas for AM, etc., etc., just like as an anecdote by side. But mm. um, so what is happening with these other frequencies? Um, I have to say that I cannot answer this question. I don't know. I was only following that shortwave was switched off at a very high rate uh, the last years, and um, and AM was predicted to follow in that rather soon. But um, I also have to say that uh, I don't know exactly which technology needs which which bands are best suited with which bands and. I know that there was a tendency that um, uh, telephone companies or these distributors obviously tried to snatch a lot of frequency band areas that were originally um, meant to be used by radio in one or the other way, meaning in, in one or the other distribution technology types, AM, FM, DAB, etc. Um, I know that there is this tendency, so radio appears to lose a bit of distribution or quite a bit of distribution um, channels. Um, but but this question, what's going to happen to AM or so, I'm uh, simply überfragt. Mm. Yeah, but like it it uh, you you answered that um, nevertheless no like it, it's yes. it's just like uh, the, there are things happening and it's obviously threatening radio in its existence right. and its possibilities yes um and uh, but actually i have i have no numbers on that there's uh, there was a bit of numbers or a bit of ideas on shortwave but actually much less on on am so um, I have no numbers on who's actually listening to AM. I can't imagine who's doing that. That's very, very different in the U.S., where um, you have a larger country and uh, larger regions yet that you have to um, fill, and therefore AM is more suitable, and that's why it works there. But actually in Germany, you don't need it. And I always wonder who's listening to AM. I don't know. And I, I don't know of numbers on that, no. so it's not in the in the media uh, analyzer um, that is done yearly. So it's only uh, that's only considered with uh, FM. Is radio as such what we are talking about? What you were talking about now uh, still in the process of um, emergency call from from the part of the authorities which was the the big topic since years no like on what channel you will reach the citizen of a, of a state um, of a uh -huh. region what you do do you deliver something through certain kind of network like on what kind of internet channel you would do it is there a smartphone app is there still radio do you are you doing that through television hmm. um, 
that's another question that I cannot answer simply. I don't know. I don't know. It, what it was just like if, if that uh, occurred uh -huh. in in this kind of uh, discussion, what what you had the last uh, times, what you were referring to now in in terms of the development that FM is not switched off as such as it was predicted already long time uh -huh. ago, etc. Like every emergency. Um, How, how to say that unit like from police uh, to yeah, I, I understand I understand the question but it's uh, I have to say it's a it's a it's a topic that uh, is a bit technical from my perspective to right. follow it in the in the scope of what I research so so I never uh, paid attention to that it's uh, I was thinking yeah, let's have other people do that Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. No, it's just uh, overlapping with this kind of topic. Yeah, yeah, there's also space, like is I, it is, I know. Uh, you can I know. talk about commons in that way, and uh, also, uh, as you described it before, you you have this kind of global players uh, uh, spreading out. In fact, then there are the regional uh, standpoint of view, which become more strong. In a way, uh, you have the community radios uh, with the huge archives in the background and mm -hmm. uh, like all these kind of uh, parts and, and uh, parts of, of this wide field of broadcasting and ether, so to say, um, is different in, in, in the development as it uh, looked like some years ago. And... This is quite interesting because, like, in, in fact, also like the the vanishing of advertisement from uh, print media, and uh, as you described, it's much more into this kind of broadcasting casting um, field. Um, also, is uh, bringing up another kind of development. In in fact, what opened up a lot of other possibilities and just in within this I was asking about the emergency mm. yeah uh, I, I mean I understand it's, <coughs> it's, a, it's also a big question I mean uh, that uh, DAB supposedly uh, yes is is using bandwidth uh, more efficiently was always, always a huge argument uh, for it yeah mm. because the FM bands were narrow Not as many stations could be uh, could be fit into the Berlin, let's say, area of in the whole total bandwidth of of, of FM. Um, there were much more applicants who uh, wanted to start a radio station with their special format, and they couldn't be squeezed in. And DAB was always a big argument for it. But um, in fact, as as we see now that uh, That's um, a too technical argument for a, for a technology. The use has to the usage uh, has to work. Yeah, people have to see the extra value that a channel gives you, and um, they have to acknowledge that, and they have to um, uh, how to say they have to be willing. To pay the price, so so the price they pay for the new receivers 
um, has to be has to give them a lot of benefit. And that's, this benefit was never offered by DAB. And um, yes, and I understand that these other discussions, as you said, about the emergency uh, um, frequencies, etc., that these um, fit into the same uh, question. Um, and well, to some degree, one could again say it's usage answers this. So where will people be? Where can you really reach them? Is it really that you say, okay, we have an emergency, please everyone switch to 100 megahertz. Will people be reached by this information? Will they really do that? Or is it more reliable from some point on, maybe five years, to say, okay, there's a there's a URL that's uh, and people will better reach that than some FM frequency. Right. This leads me to to a, a last uh, invention of my side. Um, two things. First, quite recently, I um, was quite surprised as I saw the the prices right now for for DAB uh, receiver. Mm -hmm. radios it's really like about 20 euro i was really mm -hmm. totally surprised mm -hmm. that it went down so much and the other thing is this kind of uh, global movement so to say like at least in groups uh, i don't know if you're familiar with this kind of preppers this kind of people who build up themselves like as, as uh, single persons but mainly there are groups uh, they want to be prepared for the for the fact that something is happening whatever kind of B, D, C or whatever kind of day but in fact they always claim if, if they are in this kind of uh, media interested and in fact most of them they are that they have always a, a radio uh, transmitter and uh, also receivers within their package because uh -huh. as it is known and you described it before with the, with the, where the fm radio is all around in the whole house from workshop to stable to wherever in the living room Uh, that exactly this kind of uh, medium just need battery power or solar panels or whatever. Uh -huh. So if everything is switched off, like the good old or still new internet, for example, so you can't reach any kind of URL, so you have uh -huh. to switch on the radio. Uh -huh. um, so in in their variety of means f from own builded helicopter to uh, how I can do out of a stone a knife um, practice, uh -huh. Uh -huh. they have very often radio implemented, which uh -huh. I find very touching in a way, but also uh, yeah, it's in their practical understanding, it's a way how to communicate. Uh -huh. And uh, this reminded me a bit on what, what, what you told before, like how the development is and what are now, right now, the arguments in terms of, uh, yeah, still keep the FM frequencies, uh, frequencies open uh -huh. and don't shut it down because we use it still. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, actually, there's lots of films who um, who dwell on this uh, topic or this uh, yeah that after the EF day, there's um, there's radio that can still easily be used. So there's uh, lots of apocalyptic scenarios that always bring up this FM radio sometimes it's, it's cb funk was that ham radio right. um uh also so it's uh, back and forth but in many cases in fact it's really this only all those who still survived should have their little receiver with them so they know where to where to get shelter uh if new things occur etc um yeah, it's a nice idea, uh, but I'm not sure it has uh, big influences on what's going to happen with radio in general or in, well, in, in the mainstream, let's say, um, because I think there's such strong things coming up, and let's say one thing, if... I think there's more talking about it than it's it's then it's really close. But if in ten or fifteen years most cars of commuting people people commuting to their workplace um would be self driving cars in some weird <laughs> uh, um, well was ist das gleich gleichgeschaltet uh, uh, well an individualized manner mm -hmm. let's say mm -hmm. just like that um then people will use screens in in their cars and um lots of numbers uh, propose that uh, so you see in those countries where you have longer com car commuting times uh, radio usage is much higher. Radio usage times are higher, and and of course uh, that's uh, that's for sure. The, a lot of radio listening is done in cars. So if we can use screens in cars, what's going to happen to radio? You know, ma the market might might break, even because you know if suddenly 50% of of usage breaks down, then. I don't know, then the radio stations won't be able to afford any longer any real journalists in there, but they'll simply buy together packages of content that have been produced in Singapore or whatever. Yeah? So it's uh, the quality might go down dramatically. I mean, already today in, in private radio, the quality of the um, advertisement clips is so bad these things are so cheaply and unimaginatively uh, produced that it's already uh, a tragedy <laughs> if you compare it to tv or, um, uh, or even movie uh, commercials advertisements it's so terribly boring and always the same shit and so uh, and you maybe then if the car radio listening market would break down you know the last bit of quality that you might find in a in a private radio station might break off and you only have a, a bunch of pre-produced uh, 
chunks that are put together by some dump, um, uh, how I say, uh, well, not a journalist, not a radio aficionado, which you still, of course, find in, in private radio today. So this might break off and then the market might collapse. Yeah, that's, I think that's not impossible. Um, and then good old radio might be on a down on a down way and uh, all distribution might only work online and much very very different listening patterns and um, product product profiles might occur i just heard a um a, a colleague of mine a italian um, radio scholar radio um, researcher he said <laughs> his idea was that those podcasting networks like Radiotopia, which are very strong in the U.S. and to, which reach over to Europe to the more interested crowd in radio, um, but of course only uh, English language uh, productions, that an, a network like Radiotopia might be comparable what in the U.S., developed out of RCA or AT&T, so the, the, the strong, financially um, extremely uh, powerful networks that, of course, started as small little networks in the early, in the heyday of radio. So that was his idea that these, that podcasting might develop to a very, very strong um, alternative to what we understand of radio today and uh, yeah, that those um, very sympathetic uh, uh, uh, things like Radiotopa that burst with new ideas and, and uh, authenticity and the will to do something new and, and the will to produce uh, high quality might develop into total entrepreneurship in 20 years when maybe most people mainly listen to podcasting, to podcasts which might not be called like that at that point of time, but meaning they listen to topical streams and not to a radio station with its radio host. Uh, this is at least one option uh, where what we have or understand of radio today, this might develop to, and this would be very far from what we have as a radio today. At this point, I want to say thank you very much for this insight or outside or vision <laughs> or description of uh, what might happen to the radio. And um, it remembered me a bit on on uh, some workshops what what I did where where my question was always to this quite young people where the idea was to to produce with them certain kind of radio whatever they might understand with this kind of description and 
doesn't matter, it was Czech Republic, but also in Germany, in Austria, Slovakia. And what was the unified answer to my question about uh, what they relate to radio is their grandparents, that they got to know radio in diverse shapes and forms, like technically uh, spoken, just in the in the house, in the flat, wherever, uh, with grandparents related, which I found quite interesting. Um, for for me, not not really to like. I, I did understand what they were talking about, but from for myself, from my perspective, I, I didn't uh, relate radio to my grandparents. I still don't do it, uh -huh. but uh, it, it was a very interesting part because like. Anything else? What uh, what was now also in, in in your description? What is connected with radio, which is not completely defined, is the the castings. So the podcast is that radio. What what defines, in fact, uh, what is it, the definition for the radio? Is it the ham radio? Is it the podcast? Is it the uh, Livingness, like the, the the moment of life, how how you define that? But in this kind of workshop, it was always something like a, a device. What is in the in one room of the grandparents' house, and uh -huh. that it's always on. It was also such a majority answer, so to say. Uh -huh. It's always on, and there is some concert of voices related to certain kind of music, mainly classical music or folk uh -huh. music. Uh -huh. This was not so much in the German-speaking uh -huh. uh, workshops, but like in, in, in Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh -huh. this was the, the, this kind of answer. But yeah, especially like this concert of voices always on, and the grandparents uh, who were listening very um, passionately uh -huh. to the program. Uh -huh. I mean, uh, there's one thing uh, that's always one big complaint or uh, threat that is seen that, that especially people around 20 years old have very, very little connection in many cases to radio nowadays. Um, but one can relativize that a bit because if you look at the numbers, then you do see that uh, as soon as people settle down a bit, yeah, as soon as they, I don't know, finish their university or college studies or whatever, or as soon as they start into a more settled life, maybe become parents and uh, start a regular job as opposed to studying and and working in the bar at nights or so, then often they do turn, still do turn to radio, even though they haven't had a connection to radio the years before. So there's a bit of a gap, so often they do start listening to the radio at around 14 or so to, yeah, to some youth channel, and then they stop it, and maybe they don't start that very much uh, these days anymore. So, um, but there's a point in life today still where they do 
suddenly turn to radio and get a suddenly out of thin air kind of get a strong connection to radio but i think that might change so what i said before is maybe not um changed very much by this uh by this uh issue but i just wanted to put that uh, oppose that to your uh, experience with um, young people that you spoke to and uh, as i think they they may change their attitude later and not know only their grandparents as radio listeners but become one themselves thank you very much Kolo Fölmer thank you and um, let's listen to the radio yes <laughs> have a good night okay. thanks yes you too This is Radar Horizon at Reboot FM. It's a series of prologue of the Radio Radar project. In the light of current festivals of Transmediale, and Club Transmediale this early days of February 2016. We had and we will have talks, conversations about diverse fields of visions, of maybe science fictions, of researches, of usage of archives, fiction, non-fiction. But we don't have only talks, we have also music and soundscapes. This broadcast, uh, we have sounds from Transmediale 2016, Club Transmediale 2016, as well as tracks and sounds and music by Rupert Huber, Roberto Pacidalo, M. L. Philipson and others.
Ano, ano, ano. A už je to tady, už to jede, už se to dostáš. Je to fajn, je to fajn, je to fajn. Jedu dál, stále s tebou, víme kam cesty vedou. Je to fajn, fajn, fajn, je to fajn, fajn. Výma den se nám dělá nálada, prostě skvělá. Je to fajn, fajn, fajn, je to fajn, fajn. Pozím se bohy, ty tu to ví. Máme se dneska fajn, je nám hej. Přijel k nám fajn, ty s ďokej. Pouští nám hity, co se tolik líbí. Přijel boží jezdec, do kroku nám svítí. Je to fajn, je to fajn. Ahoj, Katě. Ahoj, Katě. Startku, jsou moc dobrý. Tady opravdu moc hezký. Jsem ráda, že se ti tu líbí. Arnoštek je prostě poš. Vy jste se skamarádi. No to je skvělý. Hmm, nejen to. Budeme spolu točit videoklipy. Já to budu režírovat. Ne. Mám pro tebe hlavní roli. Bereš? To je smůla. Právě odjíždí na dlouhé turné po světě. Co dělat? Budu muset obsadit běhalovou. E, to je davuchta od nás kancel. Hrozně po mně jede. Chápu. Kdo by po tobě nejel? Nevěš hlavu. Můžeme si spolu aspoň zatančit. Ty taky tančíš. Je to tak. Jsem jeden z nejlepších tanečníků disco. To moc nerozval. Ať ty nebožáky nestratíš. Jdeme na to, kotě. Ale, ale, co to nevidí, oko mé, modravé, ahoj kočko. Tak to dneska rozjedeme, tak to rozbalíme. Jste skvělí, jste páječní, jste dokonalý. Mám vás rád. Rozdáčíme hvězdná kola, správná věc, stanec volá. Je to fajn, fajn, fajn, je to fajn, fajnový. Každý sám, všichni spolu, jeden džus, druhý kolu. Je to fajn, fajn, fajn, je to fajn, fajnový. Pozím sebou, hippy tuto. Máme se dneska fajn, je nám hej, přijel k nám pan Bizžokej. Ale to se jde u vás tohleto, dobrá pruda teda. Přijel boží jezdec, do kroku nám svítí, je to fajn, je to fajn. Máme se dneska 
distance. Several parts, soundscapes, and talks about old geographies and new ones, visions, fictions, non fictions, no future, future, contemporary conversations, excerpts. Archives Big Data. In the light of the current festivals of Transmediale and Transmediale 2016 in the early February, in the night of 6th to 7th of February. Radar Horizon. Thank you. 
during Club Transmediale these days. Especially by Ante Antje Kraje but also through women from Kroshava themselves. What we will have in other parts of
you listen to Radar Horizon. This is Radar Horizon.
Sie hatte das schon zugesagt, sowieso, von einer Woche oder so. Listen to Radar Horizon. At the moment, we are in the space of the Atlas of Media Thinking and Media Acting in Berlin. installation due to the festival Transmedial 2016 an installation by the University of the Arts Berlin the Institute for Time-Based Media sound in this space is done by FM Einheit. It's a cartographic installation what tried to explore what media have been, are and can be in Berlin elsewhere.
This voice is what you hear right now within this soundscape of FM Einheit live voices by visitors. They try to exchange in a sort of short time talk what they did since they met last time. Or perhaps they did meet in school talking about high school time and the male voice says that he won in the lottery and the relationship stopped shortly before they declared the marriage This is the advantage of radar to get an echo from everything what is around wherever the radar is located if the radar is moving even better the horizon of a radar.
olacağımız hamiledi. Harput'ta da onun babasının ağası vardı. Bu adam bir kağıt yazdı, bu ismi bu kapıya yapıştırdı. Ki bu kadın hamiledir diyen, bu ev burada kalacak. Kaynatan da bezir yağı çıkardı. O zaman elektrik ne yoktu? Hükümata verdi. Hükümat bunu buranın işçisi diyen bıraktırdı. Ondan biz kaldık bu köyde. Herkes gitti, biz kaldık. İşte bu kadar bir şeyler ne olacak? Radar Horizon First Part, Part 1. Radar Horizon on Reboot FM. Radar Horizon in the light of the current festivals of Transmediale, Club Transmediale 2016, early February. The first part was with the participation of Aisha Bukhara, Kulo Fölmer, 
talk parts about education, teaching systems and the current situation and future possible future situation of radio and broadcasts. Music sounds, recordings, composition by, uh, by Robert Huber, Pat Roberto Pachidalo, and his Armenian files, and Emil Philipson sounds from diverse radio stations on AMFM throughout Europe bits and pieces of Transmediale 2016 and Club Transmediale. What will happen as well in the next parts of this prologue of the Radio Radar project. You were listening to Radar Horizon at Reboot FM 88.4 FM in Berlin. 90.7 FM Potsdam and of course www.reboot.fm Radar Horizon you find as well on radioradar.eu 